You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1135 of the Lots of Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. Today's show is brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix.com is the place to be and use the promo code MBA. Or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily and fantasy made easy. Today's podcast will be myself and Brian Schroeder, good friend of the podcast, talking about the NBA draft and all kinds of stuff. And also, later in the show, you'll hear me talk about the Hawks-Rockets game. A little bit of a look ahead slash preview at the end of the podcast, so stay tuned for that. And without any further delay, here is myself and Brian. I am joined now by good friend of the podcast, Brian Schroeder, for what is actually going to be the first NBA draft discussion on this podcast of the year. Welcome, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Just to preempt your question there, your response. <laughs> well done. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You know, you've been on the show many times, and uh, I trust you implicitly on this stuff. And uh, it just occurred to me maybe a week or two ago that I hadn't done any draft yet. And, you know, part of that's the Hawks being good, and um, the Hawks are competing and now trying to win every game. So it's not quite as uh, draft heavy on, on this feed. But it's also, you know, been a little bit of time and there's been some sample size stuff put on tape for all these guys. So it's kind of a good first check in, I feel like. We're, we're kind of getting back to a somewhat normal uh, like draft process now. And it's it's been taking taking off to get used to. Yeah, for real. I mean, everything was so thrown off. And obviously, you know this, but we had that never ending cycle where we talked about the same guys for, for like 15 months because of the draft uh, being pushed back and uh, you know, pandemic hiatus, et cetera. And then last year was kind of a short cycle. And now we're into a regular quote unquote cycle. Um, and it's interesting enough. I personally, um, I'm way behind. I know you watch more than I do, especially right now. Um, but it's, uh, I feel like I'm flying blind still, even though it's kind of part of the deal in December, but I really am behind at the moment. I'm definitely farther behind than I was last year, last couple of years. On purpose, though, I, I did literally have watched fewer of the like Podunk State games. It's not really I try not to bias myself too much against guys who come out really strong against nobodies and then flame out later in the year. Um, but I also have had, you know, had personal stuff. I've had to find a place to live, and I've had a lot of work to do. But I've also just like deliberately not watched a bunch of um, specifically like Keegan Murray's games. No offense to him. <laughs> obviously uh like he's, he's he's good he's a very good player but i, don't yeah. want, I didn't want to watch them beat play like southwest missouri state or whatever right uh murray for people that may, may not know is uh, the iowa forward who had this insane start um was putting up like you know kevin durant in college numbers at the outset of the season mm-hmm. and uh kind of came out of nowhere i mean i i knew who he was but uh was not exactly supposed to be doing what he was doing uh, and part of that generously you would say was the schedule he is a good prospect i think i mean i'm pretty sure you have him in the first round at least um but not a guy that uh was supposed to be doing what he was doing so context is he important. was one of the, he was definitely one of the guys returning who was like a breakout candidate but he was a breakout candidate that didn't mean he was a uh, going to be putting up 28 and 15 candidate like that's just just different levels of, of this stuff here wasn't he a three-star i think he was coming out of yeah yeah. He's old. That's the other thing, too. He's fairly old for a sophomore. But hey, I mean, that's sometimes people come out of nowhere. You know, Obi Toppin fans yep. come out of nowhere recently. And yep. there's been a few of those in, in recent years. Um, obviously, we'll spend most of this on the top guys, I'd imagine, just to yeah. get, our, get our feet wet here. 
Um, but Murray is in a sort of fast rising and I think was definitely part of the consciousness in the, in the conversation early in the year. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually going to be traveling to cover some college basketball next week, which I'm excited about. Um, and I'm kind of diving into some more stuff, but I guess I'll start here. Uh, I'll ask you, it's sort of a two-pronged question. Who is number one for you right now? And is that a different person than it was before the season started? It's still Paulo. I, I want to I be bold, but it's still Paulo Bencaro. And it was Paulo Bencaro three months ago. And it was Paulo Bencaro six months ago. Um, I think there's a there's a strong, there's, there's a kind of a three-headed monster at the top. But I'm, I'm going to say Paulo for now. Because I think he's shown, he's shown enough that... It's weird that he's been, a, I would say he's been a mild disappointment because I thought he was going to be like a super prospect and said he's just a very good prospect. But he's still been, people People have noticed, like I've seen people who don't really watch high school, like really, he's really stood out to them. That's yeah. just an obvious NBA talent. For sure. And, you know, you know, 6'10", like 240, 250, and, you know, NBA grown man physique, basically, mm-hmm. already. Um you know, that's the first half that he had uh, famously um, in the Kentucky game <laughs> out of the gate was like, oh, here's Paulo Bacero. Um, And like, you know, Gonzaga, he had a he had a good game for the most part. And mm. those were kind of the he two really had cramp. He had issues with cramps in both. Those I was going to ask you that, actually. It's interesting. Like, do you care about that? Because people it became kind of a talking point, And I'm like, it's it's cramps. I mean, not so I really generally, worry, but, but, but twice in a twice in like a four game stretch is interesting. It is. It was certainly uh, fascinating. I mean, I have, he's one of the guys that I had seen the most before college for obvious mm-hmm. reasons. So he's kind of been that kind of guy for a while. And um, I guess I, I don't, I'm not, I'm asking for a comparison, but uh, what is he supposed to be in terms of like, what's the model for him being a number one overall type of prospect? The the joke thing I said, and I don't think I 100% believe this because I don't think he's that level athlete, but the kind of the joke comp is um, he's the two halves of Blake Griffin's career merged into one guy. He's like <laughs> explosive, explosive above the finisher, like super powerful, like post guy, and also has like that skill and dribble game that like developed too late, <laughs> too late to save his career, uh, sadly. But um, I mean, the guy was never picking. Made a lot of money. I'm sure he's fine with what he, with his lot. But oh yeah, um, I don't think Paulo's like he's Paulo's not that kind of supposed like that kind of athlete because that kind of athlete basically only exists once every twenty years. But I think he is a legitimate lob guy. He's just huge. He's going to be able to play center offensively. He's going to dominate people physically. Like he's just a monster, and he can shoot off dribble. He can shoot. You can. I I want to see him. Really wish this was the year that that. There that uh Shai was taking over and not next year. So we could see some like modern sets and see him like run off screens and maybe run some pinch stuff for him. That like it's just something else other than what is still a very generic <laughs> Coach K offense that has been for 15 years. Yep. But yeah, he's he's just shown skill. The skill level is there. And it it doesn't seem like it's gonna go away anytime soon. He's gonna have some monster games against the Virginias and Clemsons of the world because the ACC is not very deep. Like it never is. I'm just really, yeah, I'm excited to see what he's going to be doing for the next two or three months. It's interesting. He's really polished for a guy, a one-and-done guy, kind of guy like he is, and the skill level kind of pops off the screen to me. You mentioned the athleticism. I think that's one of the things that I have at least heard as a mild, uh, I'm not sure if even criticism, but kind of a concern is that he's not this hyper-athlete. But when you're, when you're 6'10", 240, 250, Power does it matter? I mean, I guess it matters some, obviously. But, um, yeah, power, that's a good way to, put it from what I have seen too. Like he's not this like nuclear highlight guy probably, but 
he has the functional athleticism to kind of do whatever he needs to do. Because if you think he can play some five too, like you know, he's plenty. Maybe. He's plenty big and strong and physical for it. There's a concern about that. Is that he just says he's like barely seven foot wingspan for a six ten and a half guy? That's like uh, not a good wingspan to have. Yeah, that's pretty short. I mean, I, I guess the thing is like also there are not too many like. I'm not even sure he's traditional, but there's not too many traditional four prospects anymore mm-hmm. that are this mm-hmm. high level. You know what I mean? It's kind of a, he's kind of an interesting package because a lot of the guys that you see who are 6'10", 240, 250 are either more kind of floaty perimeter players or centers, and he's neither mm-hmm. of those things. No, so. he there, there is there is a lower level comp that I've been afraid to use, and that is like modern Boozer. Like he's just going to get a lot of those easy buckets that Boozer got, just like carving out space shoot 16, 17 feet with ease. But the difference is shoot, when I say modern, he's going to like shoot on his own 16, 17 feet. They're not going to be running that little flare and, screen. And, and shoot loser. more threes too, obviously. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Shoot any threes at all. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, he's, I think he's what? Like, but he, ha- he has very simple, the frame is very close to like, like just it's a large man. Yeah, he has a traditional power forward body. It's just that most guys are not like that anymore. So it's kind of an no. interesting thing to see because like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you say a guy 6'10", 250, you're just like, all right, that guy's a power forward. And it's like, all right, we, we just move on. We kind of know what that looks like. And now most guys are not that. And it's just kind of interesting. I'm not Maybe Wendell Carter's kind of like that. Maybe that's the closest guy because we I, – I think at this point, I think it's fair to say that we, we – and me, and that includes miscast him at the center. It's like a traditional center. He's just he's, – he's a four. He's a four five. Uh, I mean, that's, that's Paolo, possible. Paulo yeah. is a four five. Like, that's – he's going to be most useful – being too fast and too too skilled for like big plotting fives, and then just too big for ninety percent of the guys playing four in the NBA right now. Like I'm imagining Jake, like no, no, we're just stuck with Jake Crowder. I'm imagining Jake Crowder trying to like check him physically, and it's just not. You know that that's that's a mismatch. You're going to be able to exploit that in the playoffs. That's really the thing I think about Paulo because I don't think this year has like the A number one guy like Cade or Mobley or Zion or you know Luca or any of these guys. But I think it has these top three guys all have the one thing in common. So they're all going to be guys who can exploit mismatches in playoff series and like create big advantages for their teams. That is, of course, assuming that the teams are on ever get to the playoffs. But, you know, that's that's the fault of the Timberwolves or whoever drafts them. Because that Carl Towns is, is maybe the biggest playoff mismatch guy in the league, but he just never gets a chance to prove it because his team's never in the playoffs. We'll have more from myself and Brian in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is DirecTV. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite TV shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all of the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like they've never been before, so you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So you can get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. I do want to make sure I get to all the, at least the top kind of guys. Um, yeah, there's not that many. I've actually yeah. just, I just checked. I think I've only got like seven tier one guys right now, which is, I, I mean, was going to ask you that because it's like people do their tiers differently and people think about this differently and some like, you know, leave tiers blank based on the based on the season and all that stuff. What's your yeah, kind of philosophy just, on that? 
I generally just go by who are the best guys right now, but I usually have more guys than this at this stage. Like it's it's a little uh, disappointing. There's some disappointing guys out there, is what I'll say. Uh, okay, well, I mean, we, we, I'm sure we'll touch on them at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there almost is like a consensus, if not top three, definitely a top kind of four. That there's I, a I've top. There's a top there. three for sure, and then there's one other guy who slides into that four spot. Who I think I might have there too. Do you have Jaden um, Ivey as the fourth guy? Yes. Is that who you're talking yeah. about? That's kind of what I, yeah. that's what I thought. I mean, there are definitely some Jaden Ivey enthusiasts out there, and I, and I totally see why. Like, he's uh, very, very intriguing, but it feels like there is uh, consensus-wise, you got Paolo, uh, Chet Holmgren, and Jabari Smith, I assume, as your mm-hmm. top three mm-hmm. in some order. Mm-hmm. Um, not in that order. Not in that order. All right, who's, who's number two for you? Is it Jabari? Jabari. Yeah, that's why. yeah, it's very close <laughs> to Paolo. They're almost the same player, like, statistically. They both are... They have some deficiencies as like rim protecting. It's like they're not going to be centers, but they're both. You can put the ball in their hands and create a little bit as fours, and you can. They just mismatch guys, like just create huge mismatches. Jabari is, um, to this this stage, possibly the best six eight shooter that's ever played college basketball. Not kind of Kevin Durant, like like that we have data for. So after <laughs> not Kevin, so not cutting the he, absolute alien Kevin Durant. Yes, literally literally the year after Kevin Durant is that that I, we have this like really bankable data so what i use bart at bart perfect site but yeah like since at least since 2008 like i, I looked it up earlier there's there are major conference if you just there are three major conference players since 2008 who have who are six seven or taller who have shot 40 percent from three 80 percent at the line on at least 10 attempts from three and are also shooting uh yeah it's 40 percent from three 85 percent from the 80 percent from the line and then 80 percent at the rim with at least 10 threes taken per 40. And it's John Diebler, Jabari Smith, and Duncan Robinson. That's it. John, John Diebler. Wow, that's a name for you. Uh, and then, yeah, and, uh, you know, is Duncan Robinson a good shooter? Who's to say? Uh, I would say he probably is, yes. Um, and it's kind of funny like, because... Like, Jabari is a terrifyingly good shooter. Yeah, and another guy who is what... And he's what, taking a lot of them. He's taken 47, I think, in nine games. And he's listed... I mean, is he a legitimate 6'10"? Yeah, he's six ten. So he might be six eleven. He's got the same problem Paolo does, though. That he's like a seven one wingspan, like kind of average wingspan, below average yeah. for like an NBA prospect. Another guy who but, is like a power forward sized individual, and yeah. it's just interesting. Like he's also uh, he's a local guy in Atlanta. He's from I think Sandy Creek High School, and mm-hmm. the um, third straight third straight time that Auburn's gotten the number one guy out of Atlanta. Imagine if they had all three of them on the same team, they would win the national title easily. <laughs> Bruce Pearl is uh, recruiting Atlanta well, apparently, including, uh, of course, uh, Atlanta, uh, sorry, College Park Skyhawks own right now. It's Sharif Cooper, your your guy, Sharif. So um, he's shooting. He's shooting pretty well from three, and I'm not looking at anything else. Anything, any of his other shooting numbers. He's, he's not getting foul flashes. calls at all. Yeah, he's he's, he's not getting foul calls at all, which is disappointing. But also he, kind of he looks totally duty. fine. He looks totally fine. Uh, I'm not yeah. worried at all. Um, at any rate. Um, Jabari Smith, I feel like people that pay attention to this stuff very closely know the name and have followed him. But you know this, like the the ESPN level national conversation is basically Chet and Paolo, <laughs> like almost all the time. And, and he's I getting feel, there. I mean, I was watching the game yes. today. He was getting well. They they were doing the they were doing the thing where they were like potential lottery pick with him. But then the the actual announcers were like, this guy looks like a like he should go top five. Yeah, I actually um, heard that. I was watching that game too today, and I actually heard as we record this on Saturday. I, I actually heard them kind of do the. I guess we could. I guess we probably can't just say lottery pick. It has to be something like top five pick or something like that. It's like, well, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I wish they corrected. It was like a self correction on the fly in the middle of the game. No, like, he will go top five. I don't. I can't this, imagine this too, unless he yeah. gets hurt. 
Yeah, I agree. Because the I mean, skill set is to he's got a and he's got three he's at over three and a half steal percentage. Like his defense is awesome. I was gonna ask like, like, his, what's his the switching, knock on him right now? Like what's even the knock uh, on Jamar Smith? I mean he's not he, he doesn't he's not Kevin Durant. <laughs> like he well, doesn't look like he can build there. an entire <laughs> offense around him. But it's it's confusing to me that the that people are like he has the same strengths that we just as Paulo, except he's not two fifty, I guess, but he has that same the movement skills are hundred. Like you have no there's no worries about him as a mover at all. Movement skills are awesome. He's not super explosive. He does have six dunks now, and that's a little like usually the top top like center power forward guys will have like nine or ten dunks by now. And you know, dunks are usually a pretty good sign of college dominance. Like I always say, CJ McCollum had like 17 his last year at Lehigh, <laughs> which is like which is hilarious to think about, but like that's just that's a proof that he was just much, much better than everyone else he's playing against. Right. I have Jabari Smith's but, sports reference page up right now, and it's mm-hmm. like all top ten rankings and like every possible stat in the SEC. Right? Yeah, it's like it's yeah, he's funny. a defensive, he's a rebound. I, he's just hard to. He's it's really weird because he's very simple to explain, but like I think he comes off as like a three and D guy, and like no, like this guy can shoot. This guy will shoot immediately. Like I can't imagine like Jaron Jackson at least. Like I, I can't imagine what else he is like. He's taking just he's, for reference. He's taking ten and a half threes per hundred possessions, right and he's now. shooting forty, almost forty five percent on it. Yeah, and they're I mean, all like pull ups. They're taking, he's taking pull ups. He's not going off screens a whole lot because that's just how Auburn operates. But you can't, but, you can't, you can't, you can't fake ten plus per hundred on no. just like spot ups. Like he's not just spotting up and shooting. Like he, this is a guy who is like self creating at six ten. Um, he's. I think only half of his threes have been assisted, which is a, a, a smaller number. Than, uh, I think all those only like one or two unassisted three point makes on the season. His range isn't quite out there yet. So like that's what I don't get is the, the knock is that he's not a self creator, but like Paulo isn't either really. Like yeah. for a six foot ten guy, they're both as good at that as, as you could want. If you're going to play them as power forwards, that's the thing. I guess if you're going to play them as like small forwards, then maybe not. But well, that's the thing. Like maybe the whole thing but, about them they're not being this like super prospect in this class is that you know. Your super prospect, you kind of want to have be your number, like your number one on an NBA team. And yeah. there's a chance that neither, none of these guys are just because of the no. fact that they have some drawbacks. Well, Chet definitely will not be. Right. Chet's, yeah. Chet's allure is entirely independent of being that player. Like, well, no and he's also, that. yeah, he's a, he's a seven footer with, you know, preternatural rib protection and all the kind of stuff. So um, he's different. He's in a different bucket. But regardless, like most, you know, if you want to try to carve up a, tier one a prospect in the nba draft they probably need to profile as a lead guy on a good yeah. team in the nba and that's that's tough i mean it's just that's obviously may a not super be, high bar to clear <laughs> it may not be any of these guys like something you do about that and that's okay i mean you don't have to have one of those guys in every draft i mean that's not a it's not a knock on any of them it's just kind of what you have you have to know what you're getting and that's context is yeah. always important that's a big thing and the way that i look at the draft always is like Yes, this draft slot might mean this, but also you have to look at like who's available and what's available and what the class is like. And um, strength and weaknesses because if Paulo Bancaro, you know, reaches a you know a pretty good outcome for him, not, not necessarily ninety nine percent outcome for him, but if he becomes you know five time All Star at number one overall, like that's a successful draft pick. He may not be yeah. transcendent, but like that's still a good pick. We'll see. But interesting stuff. I, I wanted to say real quick too that yeah, the comps for Jabari. And these are these aren't going to convince anyone. Like these two specific comps are not going to convince anyone. He's a top, a number one pick level player. But I want <laughs> you to imagine these players today in a in a more switch heavy, three point heavy, in in a league that more dependent on exploiting switches and using your specific skills to, to create baskets. 
those two players are Richard Lewis and Sharif Ibrahim. Hawks legend, uh, the latter. The, yeah. Rashard in particular, like Jabari just kind of shoots like that. I'm as as big as Rashard Lewis guy as there is. Rashard Lewis was the second was the second best player on a final team and was their best player in the conference finals that year. Uh yeah, I mean he's probably best known for that massive contract that he got, but that's not that's not fair to him. Uh two-time all-star, I'm pretty sure. And also like just would obviously have been better in the current era than he was in his own era. Like he would have been just bombing. He already was bombing, but he would have been a guy taking, you know, nine, 10 threes a game um, and shooting 40 plus percent of them. So, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I'm looking at his peak right now as we're talking, there was like a six, seven year period where Charlotte averaged like 19, 20 a game on 40% from three. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's a heck of a player, obviously. I, I have very little doubt of it. Jabari is just, Oh, the other important thing about Jabari, and I will say this now, this is especially important. We're talking more about him comparing to Chet because Chet is 20 years old right now. I think he'll be 21. Let me look and make sure. Yes, that's how you spell his name. Thank you, Google. <laughs> yeah, he turns 20 in May. So he turned on May 1st. He's a 19. He's currently 19. Uh, Javari Smith turns 19 in May. He's like a, a full calendar year younger than Chet. That is a huge difference for you guys in the same class. Like, that's big yeah, enough. And that's why I still had Jaden Springer as a top five guy, and I still probably would now because, like, what is he going to be in three years? It's terrifying. And, it, and this isn't like theory. Like, some of Jaden Springer was theoretical stuff. Like, no, Jabari right now is a dominant college basketball player. Like, he's one of the best players in the country. He's got like a top ten, I think. Let me make sure he's got he's got a top ten or fifteen freshman BPM in recorded history again since two thousand eight. So, like, yeah, he's just been a monster. Like, there's no there's no other way to go around it. He's shooting, like I said, he's shooting over 80% of the rim. That's dominant stuff for a guy who's not super explosive. Jabari just has all the statistical hallmarks. And then every time you watch him, he just does crazy. Like he tore Syracuse apart. Like he should. Like you should against a lesser team with a, with bad coaching. That's why I said it. Like they played the zone and he just stood in the middle of the zone and hit jumpers or hit, hit cutters and just tore them to shreds. Just killed them. It's great. He is ninth right now since 2008 and freshman BPM. Uh, Chad Holmgren is fifth. Well, there you go. <laughs> Kendall, Brown, Kendall Brown is sixth, so that'll even out. But, but those, sure, it's but, it's early, but yeah, it, it's that's still impressive for for, for comparison. Let's just go through this before we get to Chad. Number one is Zion. Number two is Anthony Davis. Three, Michael Beasley. Four, Kevin Love. Five, Chet. Six, Kendall Brown. Seven, Cat. Eight, Mobley. Nine, Jabari Smith. Ten, James Harden. We got Nerlens, Lonzo Ball, Cody Zeller, D'Angelo Russell, and Yakko Kong. That's top fifteen. Then oh, Robbie yeah. Hummel. Gordon Hayward, Joel Embiid, Tyreek Evans, Jaron Jackson, Sam Decker, Wendell Carter, Trey Young. The Marcus success Smart, rate, the success rate you're naming there is pretty, pretty, pretty high. Every single one of those guys played in the NBA, and then all of them except Robbie Hummel were like legitimate bros. And Robbie Hummel got hurt like four times. Yeah, and Robbie uh, Hummel probably would have been decent if he did Paris ACL <laughs> six hundred times. Yeah, so uh, no, it's a, it's obviously gives you a little bit of context. We'll have more of myself and Brian in just a few moments, but first, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar, and that is Built Bar. It's filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and it's high in protein. You get the best of both worlds. It's delicious, and it's healthy. With so many flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. Well, you have raspberry mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie. There are so many different options with Built Bar. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel that you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the extra holiday shoppers that are out and about. So if you're just standing in endless shopping lots, Built Bar can give you all the extra something that helps you keep going. Throw one in your jacket or your purse. You never know when you're going to need it. 
And because it's the season of peace and love, do not bring up your favorite Bilbar flavors at family parties because people are so passionate about their favorite flavors, they'll fight you for it and things can get even out of hand. If you're friends with Santa, we'll tell Santa to throw a few Bilt Bars in the stockings this year and with so many flavors that make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. And if you like some of the marshmallowy treats around the holidays, you need to get your hands on Bilt Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate, and they taste so good, you won't believe that they're filled with protein. Finally, if you want something to cozy up to with something warm as a holiday secret, you can dip Bilt Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa, let it melt a little, give your beverage a nice Bilt Bar flavor, plus you'll have that nice melty Bilt Bar to go with it. Be sure to have a couple napkins on hand. And with all of that said, you go to Bilt.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order with Bilt Bar. Yes, that's promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at Bilt.com. Today's podcast is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Football season continues, and the march to the playoffs is here, and BetOnline has you covered all season long for more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season, and you can head to our new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% extra cash and a welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus. One more time, that is promo code LOCKEDON to receive that welcome bonus from BetOnline.ag. With basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, auto racing, and much, much more, in addition to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of this amazing offer and all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. And one more time, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's get to Chet. Um, Obviously, a different kind of player I've kind of been hearing that he's been a disappointment in some circles. It's oh. been a weird season. Uh, I'm, I'm. It's interesting to me for sure, and you know, also just the context here. He's, he's the center prospect, but he's playing with Drew Timmy on a team that is. I think he's. I think he's kind of. Um, he's a center prospect, and I think his best skill is his rim protection. He's one of those guys who's going to fill in a lot of holes defensively and rotate a lot to protect the rim. So I think he kind of is. He's also like 190 pounds or whatever he is. Yeah. Um, well, the thing is, like, I, people people like you knew him, obviously. But I think the oh, yeah. moment when he became more, like, why we know was when he played against Amani in that game. Uh, and it was like he was hanging on. He was, like, running point guard and, like, doing all this stuff. And uh, it kind of, like, the train got off the tracks a little bit with what he's going to be yeah. able to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, he's really skilled for his size. Like, no one would say otherwise. But um, I guess I'll, I'll just ask you, like, what it, what is he supposed to be? What has he been so far? And you seem like you might not be disappointed in the way that some others are so far. No, I think people thought he was going to be, like, again, they use the unicorn thing. Like, when Porzingis showed up, people were like, well, he's a real ball handler. He never was a real ball handler. Like, there's a difference between a guy who can grab and go down court and, like, create advantages in transition or even, like, attack closeouts and do stuff with ball. You want those guys. It's a good skill. There's a difference between that and, like, this guy can handle the ball and, Pressure situations in that playoff game. Chet, Chet's not. <laughs> um, what he is going to be do is finishing everything around him. He's shooting ninety three percent of them. He's got twenty one dunks in what ten games? Yeah. He's just uh, he plays super hard. Like that's the thing about his frame. It's concerning. You know, it's not great. He he looks like a Scooby Doo basketball player. Like when they would when they would show the Harlem Globetrotters, he looks like Kareem. Um. He, as a as, uh, friend of the show, P.D. Webb once put it, he plays like he thinks he's in, uh, on, the ni- on the 90s Knicks. Like, he just loves contact. He takes contact. <laughs> he loves getting hit in the face. Like, he does not really get pushed around that badly at the rim. He gets a lot of foul calls that are, like, earned. 
he uses he his length well too. He, like, he doesn't commit a lot of fouls. That's the big thing with guy with a guy who has the frame issues. Like like he's not fouling out a whole lot. Like Evan Mobley did last year. That was a sign that he He's currently, could play. by the way, averaging uh, 2.1 fouls per game, which mm-hmm. he's not playing that many minutes. But even if you go like per 40 minutes, it's 3.3 fouls. That's pretty darn good for a 19-year-old seven-footer. For a guy with a 14 block percentage, that's pretty good. 14. Oh, my. Almost 15. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, obviously, he's, he's, he's turning the ball over a lot this year, which like I don't really care about that much. Like, but that's kind of the one thing of like on hmm. the number spectrum where it looks a little bit out of place is turnover rate. But the guy is, is, is as skilled as he is. And by the way, he is officially listed at seven feet and 195, which is just outrageous. Hmm. Like, hmm. has anybody ever been seven feet 195 in the NBA? Like, like as they enter the league, I can't remember anybody that's been under 200 pounds, seven feet. You would, you would know, you would know, more, I feel like you would know more than I would, but I'm that, that seems I, incredible. One of the guys, not Muhammad Sane, one of the guys who was drafted in the, in the 2000s, one of the project big guys, I think was under, under 200. But regardless, that's obviously outlier skinny and he is outlier yeah. skinny. Yeah. He's going to yeah. have to be bigger than he is. Everyone knows that, but he's averaging almost four blocks a game uh, in 25 minutes. And he's not even, and he's playing like with another big all the time or most of the most of the time. Um, he has had at least two blocks in every single game. That's just crazy. Um, I mean, offensively, like he's not shooting the three very well, thirty-three percent. But like he can, he'll he shoot, can shoot it. Yeah, he'll um, shoot. Yeah. I, I, okay. I guess the counterpoint, as we kind of did on the, on the other guys, is like what what's the thing to be worried about with Chet? Like, what do you worry about where he won't return top five value or whatever? That he's just more of a gadget player, like more of an oddity than like I don't know that the defense is so good. Like it's just general defensive understanding is really really good. That he's going to be more of a rim protector and like standstill shooter and, and garbage guy who's never really like an offensive player, never really like an initiator of any kind or like a guy you can get easy buckets. You can't get easy buckets. It's a, it's a it's the same thing as the Bokashevsky stuff. Well, that's that's not much worse than I expected. But still, <laughs> that's uh, check it easy buckets because he gets dunks under the rim. But like those don't exist in the NBA as much where the team just stops playing defense. That doesn't happen as well often in the NBA. He's also like, as we talked about, he's, he can and will play center in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like he's going to have to be a wing in the way that some of like these super, super, super skinny guys have been like, he's because of the way he feels the game defensively, he's going to play some, even if he's not a primary center, he's going to play some center, like almost certainly, which makes it easier. Obviously. I mean, mm-hmm. as, long as, he gets, as long as he's not always this skinny, like he's going to have to gain some weight. But he, he almost has to, like, as you become a grown up and get, you know, NBA level training, he's going to gain some weight, right? <laughs> he kind of has to. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess. I mean, just like getting fed properly. Like, I know yeah. he obviously has a predisposition to being incredibly skinny, so it won't be like super. He's not going to be like 240 or anything, but, you know, get to 210, like get to 215 and be functional and. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be easier to, easier to translate on him. I can see a little bit of the fear if you just like look at this guy. He doesn't look like a top three prospect because of how skinny he is and all that stuff. But I think the feel is my favorite thing with him defensively mm-hmm. is like it's not just being enormous. That obviously helps, but he's not seven five. He's not like completely overwhelming everybody with his length. He he is long, but it, he he definitely has the natural feel timing. Ability yeah. to block shots with both hands and that kind of stuff. I mean, if you if you want to see the real fear with him, I guess 
uh, what's going to happen to him when Victor Wembanyama comes in the league. He watched that FIBA for now. That that FIBA championship game where Victor destroyed him. He just killed him. But like that's that that's that's almost the thing to me where it's like people were saying Evan Mobley wasn't a top three pick because he wouldn't be able to defend Joel Embiid one on one on the post. And I was like, okay. He can't do this thing that no one else can do. I guess that makes him a bad prospect at all. Yeah, there's like five guys in the world that can guard Joel Embiid. It's like not drafting Paul George. It's not like that's not like I can't draft Paul George because he won't be able to defend LeBron. All right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's really interesting. I, I'm looking forward to watching more of Chet this year. And it's so, mm-hmm. it's an interesting system because on one hand, offensively, Gonzaga runs good stuff and they kind of let him at least kind of be what he needs to be. But he's also playing a system where he is playing with a national player of the year candidate and like has guard play that a lot of people don't have. Uh, it's just interesting, like context. The fact that mm-hmm. he went there um, is, I, I liked it, but also like, he went there and stayed there and kept going there despite Drew Timmy like having a full pledge breakout last year. And he was like, No, I'll play with him. I kinda I kinda like that. <laughs> Just as yeah, a Yeah, I mean Chet, Chet knows what he is. Chet's not a back basket guy, so he doesn't really care. But you know, I mean a lot a lot of guys would not be thrilled to go in mm-hmm. and be playing mm-hmm. next to next to the national player of the year preseason and Drew Timmy when you're already like a you know a four or five prospect. It's just interesting to me. It has worked out for Chad. He's had a terrific year. He's had a just does so much so much good. Like I can't have this there. He's not a good NBA player. He's just gonna. He's just gonna take some getting used to. I feel like he's uh, currently leading. I, I know it's the West Coast Conference, but by the way, the WCC, WCC, I should say, is pretty good this year. He's currently leading the conference in uh, two point shooting, EFG, uh, PER blocks, all kinds of stuff. Uh, uh, defensive blocks minus all this stuff. Like he is. Uh, I know it's WCC again, but like he's playing 25 minutes a game and still putting up like pretty outrageous numbers. And they've still played a schedule so far that is not different or worse than anybody else's schedule. Like it'll obviously lighten up as conference play begins, but they've played against, uh, let's really play Texas, UCLA, Duke, yeah. and Alabama. Is, is that all? <laughs> I mean, they've had some easy ones in there too, but they've played four top, what, 20 teams in the country, mm-hmm. 15 teams. They play the Texas so Tech next week. But yeah, they still get to play BYU a couple times, Pepperdine, Santa Clara, uh, USF, St. Mary's. The WCC is pretty good this year, actually. So it's uh, that's nice, uh, nice little test for him. But no, I look, I look forward to the never-ending uh, Chet debates about like what he can and can't be based only on body type, which is what's going to happen. Uh, I, I know you're prepared for that, but in case you're not, it's going to happen. Just prepare yourself when the national folks get in there. Like I, I can already see Perk talking about Chet Holmgren in like May. So mm, I, could, I definitely base what I think about what. Kenny is going to say. As you, as you should. Uh, <laughs> all right. I want to ask you about Jaden Ivey, too, because he's the, he's sort of the fourth guy that you that you have in that range. I think you would you, would you have him fourth right now? like Right AJ? now, yeah. I need okay. to see more. AJ Griffin has not played enough, but he's still been good. What's going on with AJ Griffin, by the way? Uh, he's there? coming back. He, he had a day injury. They haven't played since the, the, the 30th, though. Dude, like Duke's just off. They're not yeah, playing they, until they next the, weekend. Uh, so the, the, the strange two and a half week. I mean, it's finals break, but still, two and a half mm-hmm. weeks is what a game is a lot. But he's been playing fine. He's been fine. He just hasn't. He didn't play much against Ohio State or Gonzaga because I think they just didn't trust him. And hopefully, they they learn to. Wendell Moore has been really good. I, and and again, I wish Coach K wasn't there because they just they want to play Joey <laughs> Baker. Joey Baker is bad. He's not a good player. But they they love playing him because he can consider. I don't get the idea of him like maybe he can shoot like Adrian Griffin can shoot so who cares but 
Adrian Griffin is still, yeah, he's still like fifth on the team. He made threes, and he's only played like ten percent of their minutes, so he'll be fine. Yeah, I'm he's just hoping it's but... this year, not next year. Right. But you want to? I know you were super high on him um, at some point because he's a Terminator who was forged in the depths of hell to come and destroy. He's a freakish <laughs> athlete. He's terrifying, and he can uh... shoot. I'm looking forward to him playing, ball. like him playing real minutes yeah. again, uh, just to see. Because I've not seen him as much as you have, quite obviously. But um, it's been he a, also uh, just like his. He's, I I think he was so apparently his knee sprain wasn't very bad, but he'd already he basically didn't play basketball for almost two years. Well, and then so, they were like, "Hey, he might be out for a while," and then he ended up being back for the opener, but also just mm-hmm. wasn't himself very obviously. So it's like this weird, is he healthy or not kind of thing going on. I wonder, like, why he even was playing early in the season. Yeah, like, he wanted to, I guess. I, don't I know. guess, but it's just it's kind of fascinating to me. Um, anyway, Jaden Ivy last year had a lot of flashes at Purdue as a freshman. Uh, got some prospect hype for sure, but also like the numbers were not great. Like shooting stuff in particular was pretty ugly. Um, this year, he's now shooting forty percent from three, and he's uh, you know more of a prototypical like what the league currently is with like you know com- you know six four combo athletic guard uh what do you like about him and is this start real because the, the numbers this year are like you know basically night and day from last year they now, now he looks awesome on the stat sheet where he i mean no yeah, yeah i i believe the real because he was the best guy aside from the i mean chat ended up winning mvp of the fifa cup and he was very good but jay davy was i think they're probably the best player most of the time because he just is, has that that deer as like a just around corners burst guy that just people don't have. He he's very similar like profile wise to a guy like James Booknight, but unlike James Booknight, he actually has elite athleticism and not just okay athleticism. And is already looking like he's a more improved shooter than elite shooter James Booknight, who's like a career like twenty nine percent three point shooter. So yeah. uh, also this is a, this is a lesser draft. So I feel like the uh, Jaden Ivy right now I think is definitely going to be the right now would be the first card taken. Which means he'll probably he'll be a top four pick. Like he'll probably be the next pick after those first three. Yeah, there's usually going like, to be somebody there in that range. And um, by the way, another guy who was not not as far off the radar as uh, as we talked about earlier with uh, with Keegan Murray, but he was like a you know mid to low four star prospect coming out of high mm-hmm. school, um, and was not really on my radar until like people like yourself were mentioning him. Like I know there were a couple of people in Hawksland that liked him as well, and I saw some. You know, he's kind of one of those draft Twitter. Um, success stories like where they're like oh no 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 look at this guy who's a freshman at, at Purdue that no one's talking about and then a year there's later definitely there's oh, there's four guys I'm thinking of really five that one has not played for no for some reason but there's like four guys I'm really thinking of who were oh I guess five I guess there's a fifth guy Cardi's um but like the the three the, the the returning under the radar guys that like you didn't hear talked about like mainstream who have all been good this year were Ivy Keegan Murray Jabari Walker and uh and Ben Matherin from Arizona, and they've. I love. By the way, I great. love Ben Mat. I love Ben Matherin. Zero passes, all nothing but dunks, baby. I had him he's as a first like, last year. I loved him in the draft. Yeah, last he's year. gonna go like if he goes like fifth or sixth. I think he'll be setting himself up for disappointment. But if he goes like thirteen, somebody's just gonna get Jared Smith, and they gotta love him. Also, we're recording this on Saturday. It's not gonna run till for a couple for a couple days. But Arizona is just like completely awesome <laughs> college basketball. Right got, now. Yeah, they got three really good. They've got four prospects, four legitimate prospects, and they're deep. 
I was very upset when they uh, when they when they thrashed Michigan, and I'm I'm still upset, but less so now that I see that Arizona yeah. is like yeah. really really good. Um, Tobias is going to play in the NBA for like nine years. It's just like a quality starter, like a, a low level starter to like uh, maybe like a Nurkic type, but probably just like this guy's pretty good. Kirkriza could make could make a run in the league, and then Coloco is a behemoth. Coloco is frightening. He's one of the yeah. biggest men in the world. They have and he's like they have goods. Um, oh, Coloco is going to be my guy this year. Before I before we go any further, yeah, go ahead. So Jalen Duran has not. I wouldn't say he's been a huge disappointment. He's been okay. He's still probably going to go top ten because he's six ten two thirty. He has a sub five wingspan. He's like a good athlete. But he's going to be the perfect example unless he really starts showing some ancillary skills. He's gonna be him and Coloco are gonna be the two guys to look at. Of like, if I if I wouldn't in a vacuum put a bit like a, a traditional center as like a this guy's a top ten talent, which Duran might be. Wiseman is the guy I'm specifically thinking of for this. Where it's like if if I don't think this guy has a, is like gonna be a dominant offensive force, he's not gonna be like uh, even like I guess what Cat is not what I you know Shaq I guess is the then like why draft him at like nine. Why not just go draft Christian Coloco at like 35 and get yeah. the same player? <laughs> There's one of those every year where it's like, why is this guy going 30 spots ahead of this guy? And that might be one for this year. I was going to ask you, especially uh, this year where there's a lot of like six, 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 seven guys who have some injury. Now, there are a lot of bigs in this draft, too. I was going like, to say, there's, there's I, lots of size in this class overall. Yeah. Like, not a lot of small guys that are like Zach Eady may get drafted. Picks. He's this um, as big as you could ever want a person to be. Isn't he like seven four, seven three? I think he's seven three. Well, but again, to, he was another guy who dominated that FIBA tournament. And there's this famous photo now in draft order circles of uh, the 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 five guys were uh, Nikola Jovic, who has been a little disappointing this year, but probably still first rounder because he's super talented. He's just like a scorer. Uh, Chet. Zach Eady, Jaden Ivey, and Wembenyama. And Wembenyama looked like he was two inches taller than Eady. He's not. Which is, looked, there's no way he's that's possible. Legitimately yeah. taller than, I think I think Eady's 7'3". He's yeah. just, he just looks, because he's like 290. So he's well, just big. The, the Eady thing is crazy because this is more of a college basketball thing, but Trayvon Williams was like a preseason All-American and now he's not starting because, because Zach Eady's playing ahead of him, uh, which is just outrageous. That tells you kind of what, what Purdue has coming back, but yeah, um, Purdue's the best team in the country. I know they just lost, but that was I'm mean, not a fluke loss. That was a good game. Shouts to Ron Harper Jr. Yeah, you, you're not going to get people hitting eight seventy footers every game against you to lose. The trade's uh, on the tracks. We love I love Ron Harper Jr. I think he can make it too. I, I'm he's, a big Ron guy. He's been around forever, but yeah, I kind of like him too. All right, that is it for today's edition of myself and Brian talking about the NBA draft. But there is more to come. A part two will drop in between Atlanta's game on Monday and Atlanta's game on Wednesday, so probably in the Tuesday evening into Wednesday morning range. So stay tuned for that. We go for about another half hour on the NBA draft. That's coming as part of that next podcast, but there is a couple games to get to. Can't skip over those, and uh, there's one coming up on Monday. So the Hawks open this week with a home game against Houston as they try to bounce back from a disappointing loss, obviously, on Friday. By the way, if you missed anything from that game, I talked about it in depth on this show, about 35 minutes or so on Hawks Nets, and uh, that's still fresh content, as well as the previous show before that with Tyler Jones. Always fun to talk to Tyler, and that is still available on this feed, so please subscribe. But Hawks-Rockets is a pretty interesting game in a lot of ways. The Hawks actually called up Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson to the big league club on Sunday before practice. 
I wouldn't make too much of that necessarily, but obviously they're still there as I'm recording this now on Sunday evening. Skylar Mays was sent back to College Park. Um, just for the record, College Park has two home games this week, so it would not be a surprise to me at all if all three of those guys kind of pinged back and forth in between games because there's no reason not to when they have home games. Uh, but we'll see what they do with all three of those guys. Injury-wise for the Hawks, no Bogdanovich, no Hunter, and no Hill, as well as Noah Kongwu, who's still in College Park right now, and Skylar Mays in College Park right now. So those five guys at the moment would be out for Monday's game. And then Houston is without Jalen Green, the number two overall pick in the draft. Kevin Porter Jr. is also out, and Daniel House is out. So three of their more intriguing guys are sidelined for the Rockets. They've been playing better recently. Houston has. They actually won seven games in a row after losing 15 games in a row, which is a crazy thing that's never happened before, basically. They have lost their last two. They were competitive against Milwaukee and Memphis. Um, they're kind of near the bottom of the league in most stat categories. Like Their turnover rate is just astronomical. They kind of have the signs of a bad young team, but they do have, they do have talent in a lot of ways. And they have some pretty intriguing players. Um, so that'll be an interesting test for the Hawks. But I will say this. The Hawks will be favored and have been favored and should win this game at home. Is it like the worst loss in the history of losses if they were to lose? No. But I, I will just say, you know, kind of painting the picture here. The Hawks at the moment at BetOnline.ag, our sponsors on the show today, are favored by 11 points. And that's basically an implied, implied favorable, like, you know, 80% or higher in terms of actually winning the game. So... Uh, if the Hawks were to lose Monday, it'll be disappointing, that's for sure, barring some weird injury stuff. But um, we'll keep that in mind throughout the day. And, um, yeah, obviously, a, a, sort of a get-right game. Actually, the Hawks will be favoring their next five games pretty comfortably, as long as they're healthy. The schedule is fairly light the next week and a half, maybe two weeks or so, before it gets very difficult on the road. So keep that all in mind, a uh, sort of an interesting game on Monday. We'll have all of that and more on the next show on the podcast. But that'll do it for today's show. Again, so the schedule for this week at the moment will be this podcast, of course, to start things off on Sunday night into Monday evening, and then a new game recap podcast Monday night into Tuesday, then more with myself and Brian on the draft on Tuesday evening into Wednesday, then the Hawks play again on Wednesday, so we'll have a recap podcast of that game, and then Friday the Hawks are actually back in action at home uh, against Denver at home. So we'll have all of that stuff, we'll have at least five shows on the, on the feed this week as always, and we really appreciate your patronage. Please subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends about the show, and we'll see you after the game on Monday.